0: Grace to you and peace from God our Father, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit who comforts us. In the name of Jesus, amen. This is a portion of our gospel reading. It says, Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you." So far, text. The devil loves to twist the word of God so that Christians cannot carry out their Christian callings. One of the passages of Holy Scripture that the devil loves to twist the most is the one I just read, mainly just two words, judge not. I often wonder how much evil has been left unanswered because of the twisting of that one little passage, Judge Not. Ripping it out of its context, the enemies of the gospel have indeed succeeded in defending evil and muting the proclamation of the Christian church here on earth. And I'm sure we've all experienced it. As we live in the Christian community, as we live in the Christian congregation and we see something that stands against the will and the law of God. We see something that is going to bring harm to somebody in the long run. And so someone, a Christian, out of compassion and Christian love and duty, decides to address this issue with the person and call them to repentance. Repentance. And what do we immediately hear? Judge not. Are you being judgmental? How unchristian of you. Christians are not supposed to judge others. Which is a bizarre thing to hear for sure. The Bible teaches repeatedly that one of the chief things a Christian must do is actually judge. Judge saint paul says this concerning disputes in the congregation he says when one of you has a grievance against another does he dare go before the unrighteous instead of the saints or do you not know that the saints will judge the world and if the world is to be judged by you are you incompetent by trivial cases do you not know that you are to judge angels how much more than matters pertaining to this life And so here, St. Paul is saying it's better to be judged by a Christian than the church, within the church, than to be judged by the unrighteous of the world. He says that God's saints will judge the world, God's saints will judge angels. And we are also to discern between good and evil, truth and lies. St. Peter tells the Sanhedrin to judge for themselves whether the preaching of the gospel in the name of Jesus was right in accord with the word of God. St. John tells the church, test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for there are many false prophets who have gone out into the world. Paul tells Timothy, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season to reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. And Jesus tells the disciples, moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear then take with you one or two more that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established, and if he refuses to hear them, let it tell it to the church. And if he refuses to hear even the church, let him be treated as a heathen and a tax collector. And so Christians, they are to recognize and rebuke sin. They're to be gentle with each other, But they are called to make judgments. Judgments between good and evil. Judgments between truth and false doctrine. And so we must exercise good judgment in recognizing false doctrine or sinful behavior or the assaults of the evil one against the church. Judgment is necessary. And if we lack the ability and the calling to judge, we are lost. We're going to be caught up with the winds and the waves of this reckless world, and we will not know right from wrong, our left hand from our right hand. God calls us to use good judgment. And that means we are to submit to His judgment. We judge things, all things, according to His word. Is a practice good for the church? What does the Word say? Is this behavior right or wrong? What does the Word say? Is this preaching true or false? What does the Word say? We judge rightly by submitting to God's good and perfect judgment. We are to call a thing what it is. If something is sinful, we say, that is sinful. If something is righteous, we say, that is good and righteous. We seek to agree with God in all things. That's what people who have the Spirit of God do. Very often when a person throws out this verse, they're not submitting themselves to God's righteous judgments, but they're trying to avoid them. They're seeking a pious excuse for their own sins and for the sins of the people around them. They're seeking to avoid conflict, that they do not want to deal with. They are trying to do whatever they can to silence God's word of judgment against the sin that their flesh clings to, and so they turn judgment up on its head. They judge the Christian for judging. Jesus' words cannot ever be used to contradict the word of God, though. Jesus does not say, judge not, to nullify the rest of the New Testament. We must judge all things according To the word and so what does jesus mean when he says judge not jesus is not wrong when he says judge not and so we got to look at the context of what jesus is teaching us here jesus is teaching his apostles he's speaking directly to those who believe in him they do not understand everything but they believe this at least that jesus is the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world. And this means that they believe that they are sinners who have taken or having their sins taken away by Jesus. Jesus is speaking to sinners who know their savior. And this is the key to understanding this verse because it has everything to do with the mercy of Jesus. That's why the chapter begins or the section begins be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. It is only when you know the perfect mercy that is demonstrated by our Father in heaven that we can truly understand what mercy is and share it with others. The world does nice things for people and they call it mercy. But mercy is greater than that. Mercy is greater than just doing a nice thing for someone else. Mercy is love shown to those who are totally undeserving of it. Mercy is withholding righteous wrath against someone in order to show them love. This is what our Father in Heaven does for us in Jesus. As the scripture says, For one will scarcely die for an unrighteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare to even die. But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were still enemies we were reconciled to God by his death of his Son, Much more, now we will be reconciled, and shall we be saved by his life. Jesus doesn't die for his friends only. Jesus dies for his enemies. Jesus comes to lay down his life for sinners. His blood is the propitiation for sin, and sin is what makes us enemies of God. Sin places us under God's judgment. It makes us worthy of God's wrath and God's wrath alone. Yet God does not do this. Rather, what does God do? He shows mercy. He forgives our sins. He sends Jesus into the world to be killed by sinners for the sake of those sinners. God has made flesh so that he can be handed over to his enemies for humiliation and pain and death. He does this so that those same enemies can be restored to him and be made into his children. That is mercy. Our fallen nature can't do this. Left to our sinful flesh, we can only respond to hatred with more hatred. We can answer insults with more insults. When someone offends us, we mark them as evil, unworthy of love, and objects of scorn, and they are our enemies. We see this all the time in this fallen world around us. We think about families as they crumble because of this. One member of the family says something, and another answers or does something even worse. And back and forth, things intensify, and soon we're met with estrangement, divorce, hatred, and anger, and strife. We see families crumble under this. And this happens in the church, too. Someone says or does something thoughtless. Then the offending party apologizes, but that apology isn't sincere enough. And so what happens, grudges are held. Hatred and resentment boil over. And eventually someone feels like they can't be tolerated being in the same building with that same person any longer, and they leave the church. That's sad. That's not the way it should be. Rather, we are called to mercy. Jesus says, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. We as Christians are called to answer hatred with love. We are called to answer curses and insults with blessings. We are called to pray for the good of those who wish us evil. And why? Because that's what God has done for us. God has redeemed us poor, lost sinners. He has forgiven us even as we stood beyond his forgiveness. And maybe one of the best examples of this is in St. Stephen. St. Stephen was the first martyr of the Christian church. We we read about that in Acts chapter 7. he certainly spoke God's word of judgment against those who had arrested him. He pointed to their sin and the sins of their fathers. He told them what it was. He was not bashful. But he also proclaimed Jesus as the Savior of the world. And this enraged them. And he was dragged outside, and he was stoned. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, "'Lord Jesus, receive my spirit!' And falling to his knees, he cried out in a loud voice, "'Lord, do not hold this sin against them!' And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Can you imagine that? He didn't say, "'Lord, strike down these wicked men, my enemies!' He did not say, Lord, bring me divine retribution for the evil done against me this day. He does not say, Lord, bring it back upon them tenfold as they have shown me this hatred, this pain, by murdering me in such a horrendous way. No, he says, Lord, do not hold the sin against them. Stephen forgives those who are killing him. Why? because Jesus does the same thing. As Jesus cries out upon the cross, Father forgive them, they know not what they're doing. Stephen was shown the mercy of God. God had forgiven Stephen. Stephen dwelled in God's mercy each and every day. And so when he was being murdered by an angry crowd, the man who received mercy showed mercy. He prayed for his enemies even as they were tearing him apart. God calls us to mercy. As we live every day of our lives in the hands of a merciful God, our desire is for others to know this mercy as well. Mercy is not for the righteous. It is for sinners. The righteous don't have a need for it. They're righteous. The self-righteous do not see the weight of their sins, nor their need for forgiveness. And so they will throw out words like, judge not, because they believe themselves to be beyond judgment. And there's only one way to call them out of this. It is actually to show them what their sin is. It is to tear down their self-righteousness so that they see they have sinned against God and man. It is to declare God's judgment against such sins and the sinners who cling to them, And when they are terrified by their sin and know their fault, it is to show them God's mercy. It is to proclaim the forgiveness of sins to that person who is stricken to the heart. It is to show mercy to them even when they are hardened in their sins by speaking the word of truth. It's to pray for them and hold no hatred for them in your own heart. God delivers sinners from judgment by sending Jesus into the world to die for them. He never forgives them and never delivers them from judgment by ignoring the offenses. There is no salvation in ignorance and blinded eyes. Jesus says, can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they both not fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. And so we know that we dwell in the mercy of Jesus. We know that we are nothing other than forgiven sinners. We know that according to our sinful nature, we can be blinded to the truth and the weight and the danger of our sin. And that is why we gather together on Sundays. We come to church so that we can receive the mercy of Jesus. We come as sinners in need of a Savior. And that is exactly what we receive here. That is our great hope in this life. We have a savior from sin. We are freed from the judgment of God against our sins. We are forgiven. We deserve to be judged, no doubt. We deserve all the guilt that God could ever lay upon us. We deserve death and punishment. We deserve hell. We do not deserve forgiveness. We do not deserve God's divine favor. We do not deserve anything good from God, yet God does not give us what we deserve. He gives us Jesus. And Jesus bears the weight of what we deserve. He suffers the indignation of an angry crowd, the judgment, the hell that was earned by our sins. God lays every single one of our sins upon his Son. This is the mercy of God. God does not dismiss your sins. God does not ignore our sins. God does not say, oh, your sins are fine. He judges them. He judges them in the person of his Son. He carries out justice against them in the person of his Son. And in you, he forgives them. He calls us to a new life in him. Through this forgiveness of sins, a life where we are free to come before him and receive forgiveness each and every day without doubt, without reservation, we know we can come before a holy God and have him declare us holy in the words, I forgive you. By faith in Jesus, we can be certain that forgiveness is yours. This is the life that we now live. It is the life that dwells in the mercy of God. And if you live in that life, you also live in the freedom to show mercy. We are free to show mercy by forgiving those who hurt us. And rather than holding grudges or seeking retribution and seeking harm for those who would hate us, we're free to forgive them. As children of God, we are free to act as our Father acts towards us. We are free to forgive. We can give what our Father has given us, which is mercy. God has made you into his righteous and beloved children. He's taken away your sin and hidden those sins from his face. He no longer sees our sins, but he sees the righteousness of his Son. So when it comes to mercy, when it comes to the gospel of Jesus, this is then how we are called to regard others. We are to love them as God has loved us. And that does not mean that we are silent when it comes to destructive sins. God speaks in his word to you about your sin. God speaks in his word to the world about the world's sin. God is never silent concerning sin, and neither should his church. But God is also quick to forgive those who are crushed and terrified by their sins. And so, should we be? We are called to forgive, just as Christ has forgiven us. We are called to love, just as Christ has loved us. We are to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us because this is exactly how God treats you. He has shown mercy. With that in mind, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that we never fail to judge things according to the righteous judgments that you have declared in your word. Help us, dear Lord, to be faithful in recognizing sin in ourselves and in the world around us, and calling both ourselves and our neighbors to repentance. But help us, O oh Lord, above all, to show mercy to never harbor hatred towards our neighbors, but to genuinely desire that they believe in the gospel and be saved. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. We rise.